Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. So tonight we reach the end of Catelyn's chapters in A Game of Thrones with Catelyn 11. And before we start, I want to give a general spoiler warning for all of Game of Thrones a song of, and A Song of Ice and Fire. And I'm Guile, Guile and Subterfuge on Tumblr, and I'm joined tonight by Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky, Chickren on Tumblr. Eon. Hey, this is Eon. I'm Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Argostar. Hello, I'm Argostar, Argostar on Tumblr. And Wonkins. Hi, I'm Wonkins on Tumblr. Wonkins, do you always feel like, whenever I say your name, I always feel like I'm like going into a British accent, and it somehow <laughs> turns into Wonkins. <laughs> I don't know uh, why. <laughs> we all say his name wrong. It's yeah. Wonkins, and we all say Wantkins. And it's Wantkins? It, no, like, it is Wontkins. Like, oh, will Wonkins. they, won't they? Oh, Wontkins. Well, okay, so it is very British sounding. Wontkins. <laughs> anyway. It sounds like, it sounds like <laughs> something you'd have with your afternoon tea. It really does. Let's <laughs> have some tea and Wontkins. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, we're off to a great start, folks. Um, so, to recap, in our last chapter, Rob's army had taken Jamie Lannister captive. Um, Jamie was super hot. And they've since taken back River Run from the Lannisters. Their triumph, however, is mixed with tragedy, as they've learned Ned has been executed by King Joffrey. And we start the chapter off with Rob, Theon, Cat, and company reaching River Run. And they're greeted by Edmer and Titus Blackwood, who has some spectacular-sounding armor. It's all bright yellow, and then he has, like, a whole cloak made of raven feathers. (laughs) <laughs> which just sounds kind of crazy. Work but. it! Yeah, I mean... It, it wow. sounds like a Project Runway, you know, disaster. Yeah, yeah, like from the, like, crafting challenge where they take them to the craft store. You know, yeah. actually... Like a practical battle disaster. Wouldn't that be an amazing Project <laughs> Runway challenge, though? If they gave them, like, the house words and sigil and they had to create a costume for them? Oh, my God, that'd be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> Tyros obviously didn't watch The Incredibles. No capes. <laughs> <laughs> so they meet um, Tyros Blackwood, as I said, and he, we learn that he was actually responsible for plucking Edmure um, out of the Lannister camp. And Edmure takes Kat to see her father and tells her as they go there that Hoster Tully is not expected to live long. Um, one thing that struck me in this little bit was kind of the description of Edmure. And he sounds like much more like rough and tumble, I think, than we get later on in the books or, you know, in the show especially. Did anyone have any impressions of any particular impressions of Edmure? Oh, that it's funny that, that, he that. Looked, that he looked absolutely nothing like he does in the TV series, and maybe they should have reread the chapter a little. <laughs> I think if you can get 
Tobias Menzies, you get Tobias Menzies. Yeah. <laughs> you don't worry about what the book character looks like. But, I mean, no, I don't know. It, I always think of the Tullys as all being kind of auburn-haired and kind of, you know, whatever, not so refined. And I don't know why that is. I always think of them as refined, I guess. And that was one of the things that struck me about the description of Edmure was that he was kind of stocky. And he, and you know, his he obviously... I think he had scars and he had, you know, you could just tell he had been in battle and it's so different, I think, than um, the show image I get or even the image of him in Feast when he's kind of, you know, downtrodden, basically. Yeah, don't they mm. refer to his armor having dents? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. I could understand oh. how the show would want to make a, a foil for the Blackfish to kind of show this, like, younger, less proven uh, Tully, because we already have the battle-hardened, stocky Tully. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I... I get it. I, you know, I have some personal biases towards Edmure, so I kind of like to treat that. Mm-hmm. But, um, oh, so. I, I'm with you. I like I like Edmure a lot too. I really loved a lot of this opening passage where like Cat is is like noticing how like the bottom of the the portcullis is rusty and stuff as she's coming in, and mm. there's a lot of really cool kind of you know eerie you know when you look at it in the perspective of of knowing what's going to happen details here. Um, you know, like little little hints that that maybe the Tullys and River Run may not survive very well. Yeah. Um, ah, God, beautiful but sad. So we meet Hoster, and he's kind of out of it, and he tells Cat about the siege, and you know how worried he was that that they were going to lose, and Cat is very proud to tell him that Rob, with the Blackfish's help, is the one who broke it and freed the castle. And Hoster learns that the Blackfish came from the Vale, and there's this kind of sad moment where he's very hopeful that Lysa joined him, but Kat tells him she stayed in the Eerie and his face just falls. And then he starts drifting into the past and back to his falling out with Blackfish over Brendan's refusal to marry. And it felt very authentic to me of kind of that person on their, that person on their deathbed or that person who's, you know, losing their memory and they're back and forth between the past and the present. Tower of the Hand notes here that uh, Hoster is sad that Lisa isn't there because he wants to apologize for asking her to get an abortion. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. You know, it's it's a very typical, like you said, deathbed thing of, of wanting to right some wrongs. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I don't know why he would be surprised that Liza wouldn't come. I mean, if I were her, I would not. Right. Right. Yeah. Her dad's the last person I turned to, to as well. Yeah, and I don't really think that he asked her to have an abortion. I think he forced her to. So right, yeah. all right, minced words, whatever. Um, that that's what I meant. Sorry, uh, but so if if uh, hypothetically Liza didn't get the abortion, how old would that kid be right now? Just crackpot theory. Well, I mean, it would be. It would be older, because don't we think it was conceived after, like, when Peter was recovering from the duel with Brandon? So he'd be older yeah, than Rob. Mm-hmm. So he'd, yeah. you know, maybe like a year or two even. Well, maybe not two, but, yeah, I mean, maybe like two years older than Rob, so like 17-ish. Yeah. Is there any, is there any characters hanging around uh, the Vale or Riverlands <laughs> the, that age? <laughs> I mean, there are thousands. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny. Do you have someone but. in mind? No, I don't. Um, if, if if some audience member thinks of one, yeah. definitely write it. it I'm, I was just, you know, the uh, hunt for the hunt for the missing bastard. Putting my brain tinfoil hat <laughs> Another on. Another one. Another missing bastard. Just oh. what the series <laughs> this needs. This would be one that's he, not a secret could, targ. Let's see. How about this one? How about um, 
the Mad Mouse, that Sir, Sir Shadrick's guy. Oh, was he that young? Yeah, wasn't he? Was he? Maybe he was. I don't know. I always picture him like middle aged, but I don't know why that is. And he is kind of short, right? So, yeah. You know, I picture. I just picture it being like a short kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that it's we're coming up with like bizarre tinfoil. <laughs> It's funny how much Kat does think about <laughs> Peter in the con. Like she almost pe- thinks about Peter as much as she thinks about her siblings as she's coming home again, and it is it is. Well, and I think does really context, make it clear how much. Yeah, he you know he was well. I mean, obviously George wants it in in there, but you know he really was like a sibling to her. It really is. So um, so that aspect is sad too. It's, I have a passage actually that kind of gets into that that I wanted to read, and it's um, so Kat leaves and he to find Rob in the gods, but with with many of his men. And she thinks, you know, it would not do to disturb them at their prayers. The gods must have their due. Even cruel gods who would take Ned from her and her lord father as well. So Catelyn waited. The river moved through the high branches and she could see the wheel tower to her right, Ivy crawling up its side. As she stood there, all the memories came flooding back to her. Her father had taught her to ride amongst these trees, and that was the elm that Edmure had fallen from when he broke his arm. And over there, beneath that bower, she and Lysa had played at kissing with Peter. She had not thought of that in years, how young they had all been. She no older than Sansa, Lysa younger than Arya, and Peter younger still, yet eager. The girls had traded him between them, serious and giggling by turns. It came back to her so vividly she could almost feel his sweaty fingers on her shoulders and taste the mint on his breath. There was always mint growing in the godswood, and Peter had liked to chew it. He had been such a bold little boy, always in trouble. He tried to put his tongue in my mouth, Catelyn had confessed to her sister afterwards when they were alone. He did with me too, Lysa had whispered, shy and breathless. I liked it. <laughs> so, Sexy, kind of. So, right? <laughs> so Peter is younger he, than Liza? Yeah. Wow. Peter's a, an, a quick learner. Wow. Because <laughs> really, I mean, Peter had to have been, if he was younger than Lysa at this point, he was probably like, you know, 11 or 12 or something like that. Like Pod's age, basically. <laughs> Ugh. So that was gross, but I had to. But I uh, no, I know it had just to share. it does it does. I mean, if you allow it to, it really humanizes Littlefinger. But <laughs> it just kind of deepens the sadness of the betrayal, too. You know, I mean, like you know, not not just Liza, but Cat and Edmure. You know, thought of him as a pseudo sibling. Yeah, I mean, and you know, he certainly took it. You know, he. He certainly took advantage of Lysa. Like, I, it's hard to blame him for what happened with Kat. I mean, I think he fell in love with her, and you know, would have made, you know wasn't trying to do anything dishonorable. Frankly, I mean, I think he was going within, you know, going within the framework of of what was acceptable. Frankly, but you know, didn't work out for him, obviously. But then, you know, sleeping with Lysa was more of a problem. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, if he was even younger than she was, I mean, what was she's younger than Kat? So she, like, couldn't have been even 14, 15 at that point. I mean, like, so young. He must have been so young. I mean, not that it really excuses much, but, oh, God, so young and, you know, clearly stupid and unaware of how the world works. But, yeah, I mean, he, you know, what do you know about how you're hurting someone else when you're that age? You know, not not as much as you should, I suppose, (laughs) is the way to put it. Right, and it, you know, it's like Lysa had her own. You know, Lysa obviously bore all the. Con- I mean, Littlefinger was sent sent away, but I mean, Lysa bore all the emotional consequences of that. 
and oh, how that, that affected her. Yeah, for the women. <laughs> oh, little finger. So Kat finds herself again wondering if Rob has ever kissed a girl, which it's kind of this like kind of bizarre preoccupation. But um, you know, meanwhile Rob is concerned with more urgent matters, and he tells her that Renly has declared himself king, and he and his men are going to call a council. So the War Council intervenes in River Run's Great Hall, and it's the River Lords and the Northern Lords seated opposite each other, and they're arguing into the night. And some of the men want to march on Tywin at Hall, and Mark Piper actually wants them to strike directly at Casterly Rock instead. And Jason Malister thinks that they should just actually stay at River Run, bide their time, and cut Tywin's supply lines. And basically the Blackwoods and the Brackens will take the opposite sides on whatever they can. And Jonas Bracken goes so far as to suggest they declare for Renly. And Rob finally speaks up to say that, you know, Renly's not king. Joffrey may be evil, but that doesn't make Renly king. His men wonder if he means to declare for Stannis, and, and Rob says he doesn't know. And I have a, a shorter well, passage. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, no, doesn't he, doesn't he say that you know, he has he has the right as being the elder brother. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of his argument against Renly, is that if Joffrey's not king, then Stannis is. He, he says, I don't know, said Rob. I prayed to know what to do, but the gods did not answer. The Lannisters killed my father for a traitor, and we know that was a lie. But if Joffrey is the lawful king, we fight against him. We will be traitors. My lord father would urge caution, aged Stavron, Sir Stevron said, with the weaselly smile of a fray. Wait, let these two kings play their game of thrones. When they are done fighting, we can bend our knees to the victor or oppose him as we choose. With Renly arming, likely Lord Tywin wel- would welcome a truce and the safe return of his son. Noble lords, allow me to go to him at Harrenhal and arrange good terms and ransoms. And what a true fray. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, the men are, are naturally outraged by Stevron's suggestion, and but Kat kind of takes the opportunity to take the stage, and she asks, why not a piece? Um, Kat, Rob reminds her that the Lannisters killed his father. They killed her husband. He unsheathed his long sword and laid it on the table before him, the bright steel on the rough wood. This is the only piece I have for Lannisters. And again, predictably... The men roar their approval of this, but Kat waits until they've quieted down to make her pitch for peace. And she, yeah, I love, I love that she does this too because you know, I mean, it it is so Cat too. I mean, I'm not going to say no one in the room realizes the the bigger picture, but Cat clearly sees how quickly this thing is snowballing and and wants to get the fuck out. And who can blame her? I mean. You know, she's she's lost her husband. She's knows she's about to lose her father, and she knows how dire it is. And I I think a part of her is even beginning to accept that she needs to let the girls go. You know, I think part of her knows that the girls are pretty much lost at this point. And um, I mean, it's I feel like Stevron Frey kind of has the right of it at this point. Yeah, to be honest, because yes, they should they should have waited. They should wait it out. Inside with inside with the winner, and they have the ultimate bargaining chip against the Lannisters. Like they actually, at this point in time, are in a damn good position to just sit and wait. Well, yeah, and imagine if they had just just camped here at River Run and held it. Um, it it might have been a different story, you know. Um, I don't know that that Tywin would have allowed them to stay there that long, but. Uh, I don't know. I, you I don't, know, you just, you never know. 
I don't think that would be a, a great long-term solution because such a huge army would take up so much yeah. food that they would eat themselves out. Uh, it's like they, they're basically sieging themselves with 28,000 troops there. Well, I yeah, but the advantage is that they're in the middle of the riverlands and so they can easily resupply themselves because they hold all the rivers. And that's that's kind of what Rob is realizing, just the position that they're in to control the food supply. Um, that's what he's talking about with the fact that they're even controlling the Lannister food supply at this point. Um, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a really, you know, it's funny. You, it's funny how this is most often explored in fic. The concepts of of what it what if this one thing had changed or that one thing had changed um, yeah. in the series and and that's a fun what if to play out. And I think too, you know, kind of the point of the Northern Lords is that you know there's an emotional point of it. You know, what were you yes. know, they lost the Car Stark sons, they lost the Horn, you know, Darren Hornwood, mm-hmm. and the River Lords had their lands ravaged essentially. So if they just sit there, what was the point of it? Of exposing all of that, yeah, it's, and the northern it's logical, like need to go home, you know. It's illogical, but deeply emotional. They're they're looking for um, some meaning to the loss of their family members, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and it's so funny how who is it? I think it's Karstark. Well, a couple people get really condescending with Cat about, yeah, oh, you're a great woman. You don't understand vengeance or what you know you don't understand wanting that and i was like oh yes she does <laughs> like, she, she has a great line because she wanted vengeance like what are you talking about and she has the great line of you know give me Cer- Cer- cersei lannister lord Karstark, and you would see how gentle a woman can be so <laughs> <laughs> I, I would i, I would you. gleefully pay to see that cat fight <laughs> oh god <laughs> there's another okay there's another uh fit uh fit call we can do <laughs> Just, i, I I agree that hair, this is a misogynistic. clothes, tiring. But, yeah. It would, it would be the, the cat fight to end, to end all cat fights. Ronda Rousey would have nothing on either of those women. Sploosh. Mm. Uh, what were you going to say, Wonkins? Uh, I agree that it's misogynistic for them to bat down cats so quickly uh, for her suggestion of peace. But I... A posit that this suggestion would have just as quickly been stricken down if it came from a man as well. Oh yeah, I mean, Devron just did pretty much right. the same thing. Uh, oh yeah, but he just everyone... didn't get the condescending, you know, oh little lady, you would oh, never little understand. Yes. <laughs> so it's <laughs> not it's not it's the suggestion of peace itself that. Uh, right, that it comes from Cat. The the response to her is specific to her being female, though it's specifically. About her being female and her not understanding their feelings. And it's like, oh, if you only knew. Hey, that's another thing. I mean, like, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, unless unless there's something else that I'm forgetting, she really never does get called out on the carpet for the stupid Tyrion move. Like, (laughs) why aren't they pissed about it? Like, I don't know if it's just a failure of the narrative or if it's just George trying to say that they're so misogynistic they don't expect logic from her. I'm not really sure. I think that... I mean, I guess I think anyway that when Tywin sends out Gregor and, and the gang to basically rape and pillage the Riverlands, like that turns everyone there against the Lannisters to the point that the fact that she took Tyrion is already completely justified like in their mind. I guess because, so, you know, because it's funny, in this chapter, she's thinking about the fact that she pretty much started it. You know, she's feeling some of the weight of mm-hmm. that. She's thinking, if I had not taken Tyrion... Would this be happening right now? Yeah, and I yeah. think you know the Lannisters shot themselves in the foot by their gross overreaction to it, or you know, 
the fact that they targeted an area that had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Catelyn's suggestion of peace is, is coming from a place that's a bit narcissistic because of that guilt that she's feeling for kidnapping Tyrion and also the fact that like Ned has been killed and uh, she so she's suggesting peace is coming from a, from her own position and she's not really feeling empathy for all the other lords at the table who are seeking revenge um, she just wants to go home and, and right and that doesn't necessarily do you know some of these other people any good yeah yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of the. This is kind of the 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 one of the overall themes that that George is is exploring, and that is the fact that these assholes, and I am calling everyone involved an asshole who get <laughs> get get you know offended or or you know in some way are hurt, and who decide to lash out, and and they're lashing back because of the positions of power that they hold. Um, has huge repercussions that that you know ripple down throughout all of the lower ranks below them. So here you have really a personal squabble between the Starks and the Lannisters that has turned out to be a huge, deadly thing for everyone in the entire well continent that they're on is is what it will be. I mean, you know, you know, of course, Catelyn just thought of her own hurt when she took Tyrion hostage. And, and Rob is thinking about the fact that his dad was killed. And it's like, how many fathers have to die because your dad died, Rob? I mean, like, well, I think <laughs> nobody, nobody stops to think about it right. in those terms. And if we go all the way back to the chapter where Cat does take Tyrion, you know, she's she does it at the Heddles Inn. And, you know, think about what happens to Masha Heddle. Think about where her kid, you know, think about when we end the story where her kids are and, you know, what their position in the world is. And, you know, they literally have nothing to do with any of this. They are, you know, the definition, you know, they're caught in the crossroads, caught in, caught in the crossfire. It's a dark wake for her dark choice. (laughs) So let's, let's uh, take this uh, peace suggestion to its like conclusion. Say they, they sue for peace with the Lannisters and go back up North. Maybe, um, when they tr- try to trade uh, Jamie for the sisters, they're going to realize that they the Lannisters lost Arya, and so that's going to Rob's going to lose face among his lords because not only did he not avenge the loss of all those lords' sons, but now he's also only got one girl back out of two, and then so Bruce Bolton may still rebel and also side with the uh, Karstarks and Hornwoods and other houses that lost soldiers for in a, in a war that didn't have a, a victory. And then they're, uh, so they're going to facing that rebellion along with, and then this is a little bit using um, uh, forward knowledge, uh, looking back along with the uh, attack of the Ironmen. So Rob would be facing multiple front fronts, which also leaves the Riverlands defenseless to Lannister retribution. If they just retreat back up north, yeah, well, but I mean, the theory yeah, would but if sidestep the iron, yeah, if, because of the fact that say, Theon hasn't gone yet, and he pretty much <laughs> instigates the whole thing, but eliminate the Ironborn as as a threat because if Rob hadn't been in the position he had been in to send Theon to sue for for a, a an alliance, Balin may or would have probably invaded anyway but it wouldn't have been 
you know, uh, Balin wouldn't have gone to the north. He would have been, he would have attacked the Westerlands because he figured the Lannisters going to be preoccupied with Stannis and Renly, whichever that's one a, comes a, out of there. That's a fair hypothesis. But then, yeah, and the yeah, Lannisters the same- will be far too busy dealing with the Baratheon boys to worry about um, revenging against the Riverlands. Yeah, I don't even think Rob would have needed to sue for peace with anyone. I think he could have just sat at this point, and and it's kind of like Stevron Frey said, you know, see what happens in the South. Let this whole thing between the Baratheons and the Lannisters play out and and see who comes out on top, you know, because even Tywin can only spread himself so thin, you know. Well, even doing exactly what they did, if Stannis would have won Blackwater, their position would have been dramatically different, because I think... um, you know, Rob would have. Rob would have had every reason in the world that you know Rob's not going to go to war with Stannis. Like he's not going to go to war over the status of the King of the North at that point. He's probably you know he's going to bend the knee. In some cir- under some circumstance and end it at that point, I think. So I mean, if, if Stannis would have him, I mean, I think Stannis says he wouldn't have him as soon as he's declared King in the North, though. Well, so at, the, at this moment in the uh, let, discussion... Let me have my fantasy team up, okay? <laughs> Rob and Stannis? Yeah. So at this I, moment I'm in the discussion, Rob has characters been crowned. No, he wouldn't have been crowned. But I think but even not, if he had so, been crowned, you know, Stannis is going to let him walk back from that. So, so let's say that they... <laughs> just sit back as Steveron suggests and allow the Lannisters and Baratheons to fight and let's say that the Lannisters win. So now we're looking at Tully's and Starks versus all of Westeros because or versus the Iron Throne and they don't have the uh, advantage of two Baratheon armies distracting Lannisters at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think in the, they always have in their back pocket the Arryns probably in their own mind because you know, if it came down to it, I suppose at least they think that Eliza would be on their side. And plus, I mean, but, the Lannisters are going to have lost a lot of, you know, the Lannisters are going to have lost a lot of people in that fight and be licking their wounds a bit. But yeah, they, I mean, it all kind of depends on what happens with the Tyrells. I mean, the Tyrells really are the the swing vote, if you will. I mean, so it kind of would depend on where they went. And, you know, a lot of it, it's funny how they, it's, it's funny how they make a really sweeping remark here about how the Martells are going to follow the Baratheons and the Tyrells. And I'm like, why would you take that for granted at this point, considering what you know yeah. about the relationship between the Tyrells and the Martells? It's a really interesting, and also I don't between, know if it's just something he hadn't thought through and, at that point. And also between the Baratheons and, and the Dornish, because that situation wasn't exactly the sweetest either, given the fact that, you know, Elia's body was presented to Robert. Right. I I don't think they'd be in too big of a hurry to buddy buddy up with the Baratheons. Well, they're not. I mean, you know, it's it's been a very cold piece from Dorne, you know, a cold and quiet and, you know, everybody kind of I guess forgets the fact that when Doran gives his big speech about, you know, how 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 Oberyn was was the snake and he was the grass or whatever, this revenge that they were planning was when the Baratheons were in power. I mean, they wanted to get their revenge on Tywin, yes, but they wanted their revenge on both both the Lannisters and the Baratheons. So yeah, I mean, the anger down there is is deep. Um, so I don't I don't know. It's it's yeah. hard, you know. It's hard to say what George was thinking at this mm-hmm. point. That might be just something he hadn't completely thought through well, at that that moment. And you know, 
if um, you know if the northern forces just stay put for a while, Rob doesn't get injured. He doesn't meet Jane Westerling. He's not married, and you know, thinking about it, if the purple wedding happens and there is no red wedding, I think like a Tywin Lannister regent for Tommen actually isn't super unlikely to sue for peace with the Starks at that point. Like that but makes I, it a little bit more palatable to everyone involved. That it's not Joffrey who they're actually having to, you know, make nicey nicey with. Well, I mean, not that Tywin is, you know, some paragon of virtue, but no, Tywin's, no, a, no. Tywin's a rational enemy, and he would try to make a rational choice, I think. And and he didn't have a direct hand in the death of Ned. But I think that would still leave the River Lords butthurt over the Sir Gregor's grievings throughout the Riverlands and all of Tywin's yeah. uh, chaos that he's burnt all through the that realm. There, yeah. this, there's no. Do you guys? So, do you guys agree that peace would is the best uh, options posited here? It's so hard because we know oh, what geez. we know what happens. So, I mean, part yeah. of me thinks if they would have actually attacked Harrenhal directly, they would have totally 100% taken down the Lannisters because Tywin would have never made it to King's Landing to to join the battle against Stannis. Mm-hmm. So maybe that, you know, maybe that direct engagement against Tywin would have actually ended things pretty quickly. Attacking Harrenhal? Yeah. That's, I just think, I, I just I think, think it's one of those... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I don't mean to, like, run over everything. Uh, it's, it's a risky move, though, because Harrenhal is a fortress and it risks being flanked by the second ar- army being raised at Casterly Rock. But knowing that you've got Stannis Renly, is that army at Casterly Rock going to be headed um, headed south as opposed to east? Or as opposed to west, rather? East, west, east. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're kind of, you know... There's, it's I, interesting. George gives them a bunch of choices, and none of them are obviously the right or the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's I was just bit. about to say. I, I I think the problem is is that it's an impossible situation all around. No matter what choice you choose, there are going to be some serious drawbacks. That's kind of a theme of uh, Song of Ice and Fire, the Kobayashi Maru test. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what happens, you're screwed in one way or the other, most likely. So, um. Why do you think nobody suggests assaulting King's Landing? Because Harrenhal stands between it. You could go south to loop under, to just avoid uh, Harrenhal, you know, just go around it and then come up to King's Landing from the south. Would they be running into the, into like the Tyrell Renly army in that area though? They're still in the reach at this point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Although I think if you're, you know, if the if the Lannister army's in Harrenhal, you would hit the army. Well, and also I think maybe the fear is if they hit King's Landing directly, what's going to stop them from, you know, just plain cutting Arya and Sansa's throats? Well, plus, I mean, they don't really have a naval presence. So, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting if Rob's pitch to Balin was, 
we're going south and we want you to hit King's Landing from, you know, from the sea. We're going to hit him from the land and we'll split the booty. That'd be a grave mistake to trust in King Balon. Yeah, but, but you know, I mean. Yeah, Balon, uh, was, Balon was already getting himself ready for war when Theon showed up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, strange bedfellows, right? <laughs> I mean, if they knew there was a wildling army led by, you know, a great commander just itching to get over the wall, they could, like, hey, how do you guys feel about a really good southern vacation? <laughs> to answer um, your suggestion a minute ago, if if they attack King's Landing um, and then the Stark daughters get murdered, then... We murder the uh, Lannister captive, Jamie. Sorry to suggest that, but I mean that's the balance. <gasps> Kelhara. <laughs> so, um, so I feel like we kind of had our own little war council here, and we've pretty much come up with the same kind of non-solutions as um, you know as Rob's council did, and we get to this great moment, and you know. Basically, when I volunteered to moderate this chapter, there was no way in hell I wasn't reading this passage. <laughs> so. So you gotta excuse me. It's the best. Um, so Kat knows that she's lost the argument for peace, and then the great John stands up. My lords, he shouted, his voice booming off the rafters, here is what I say to these two kings, he spat. Renly Baratheon is nothing to me, nor Stannis neither. Why should they rule over me and mine from, from, from some flowery seat in Highgarden or Dorn? What do they know of the wall, or the wolfswood, or the barrels of the first men? Even their gods are wrong. The others take the Lannisters, too. I've had a belly full of them. He reached back over his shoulder and drew his immense two-handed greatsword. Why shouldn't we rule ourselves again? It was the dragons we married, and the dragons are all dead. He pointed at Rob with the blade. There sits the only king I mean to bow my knee to. My lords, he thundered. The king of the north! <laughs> I'll have peace on those terms, Lord Karstark said. They can keep their red castle and their iron chair as well. He eased his longsword from its scabbard. The king of the north, he said, kneeling beside the great John. Mage Mormont stood. The king of winter, she declared, and later spiked mace beside the swords. And the river lords were rising too. Blackwood and Bracken and Malister, houses who had never been ruled from Winterfell. Yet Catelyn watched them rise and draw their blades bending their knees and shouting the old words that had not been heard in the realm for more than 300 years, since Egg and the Dragon had come to make the Seven Kingdoms one, yet now were heard again, ringing from the timbers of her father's hall. The King in the North! The King in the North! Okay, everyone, want to join in? <laughs> okay. The right. King in the North! The King in the North! The King in the North! Is it supposed to be the King in the North? I know, like that. it really, like, phonetically, it'd be the King in the King in the North. Wait. The king in the north, I believe. <laughs> you know what's funny about this passage is you don't get, number one, you get absolutely zero idea of what Rob's reaction to this is. Like, you actually, there's nothing. George gives nothing. And you you don't really get Catelyn reacting either. I mean, she she says that it's happening in her father's hall, but you really don't get anything from either of them about how they feel about this it's almost like it's completely out of their hands well it is completely out of their hands at this point it's it's basically they've all made their decision for rob and catlin and they don't get much of a say in it 
yeah, it's really stunning how how it just <laughs> it just it just kind of happens, and you're like, shit. Well, I think part of it is purposeful, though, because I think, um, you know, this is the last chat. This is the second to last chapter in, in the book, and in the games, in the book's final chapter, it's Danny's dragons being born in the Dothraki Sea. So, you know, George is ending Ooh. the book on these, like, twin triumphant notes, you know, the, the sound of dragons, which hadn't been heard for hundreds of years, and the sound of the King of the North, which hadn't been heard for hundreds of years. So he's kind of setting the reader up for what they expect is going to happen next. And, I mean, frankly, they couldn't be more wrong, really. And I think he's doing it on, he's doing it on purpose. He's, you know, tricky, he's basically tricking us to think that, this is going to have some, like, happy, triumphant ending. <laughs> Damn it. As opposed to rocks fall, everyone dies. Well, and I mean, think about where they ended, you know, and then, you know, by the time we get to dance, Rob is long dead, and Danny is, you know, essentially dying in the Dothraki Sea. Well, I mean, she's not I mean, gonna she's die, not going to die, right? But I mean, but, well, we think, yeah, like, it's... listen to how confident we are. Well, she's not going to die. Well, we know she, come on. Uh, it, yeah, I know it is. It, what else is funny about this is, um, you know, Rob has, or Rob, God, George has Catelyn mention early in the chapter that Rob was born at River Run, which, I mean, we all kind of knew, but, you know, kind of didn't really think much about until, you know, this this chapter. And it's funny that, that he was born here and now he's reborn again here as the king in the north. Um, I don't know what George is getting at with that or if anything, but it is it is interesting that, that so much that's momentous in Rob's life happens in the Riverlands when he himself is a northerner, you know? lives and dies in the riverlands yeah i mean yeah is it is it foreshadowing why it isn't all going to work out i don't know well or is it you know is it even foreshadowing and i don't think it is that you know he looks like a tully he looks like a river lord Mm -hmm. but i mean so does Mm -hmm. sansa and you know bran especially and we would never expect bran to you know not be of you know not be of the north or rickon for that matter either but who knows i mean i think you know George wrote this not necessarily knowing what was going to happen with these characters. So, at this point in time, who knows what? You don't think he knew what was going to happen with Rob? Oh, with Rob for sure. Yeah, with Rob, one hundred percent. But um, I just poor Rob. He for sure had a plan, but it's not necessarily the the same plan that he ended up writing, as most things go in the story. Yeah, but I think Rob dying was in the original outline, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's really interesting... Been, oh, go ahead. It might have been a, a different... Uh, it might have died in a different way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like true. He, yeah. Did, didn't, he, didn't he die in battle in the original outline? Yeah. Yep, he dies in battle, and I think um, he actually is the one that... I think, isn't it Joffrey that loses a hand in battle? And it's Rob who actually... Oh, it. yeah, there is yeah, something yeah. about a hand. Yeah, what, yeah, what? That's what makes Sansa uh-huh. switch sides. Yeah, and it's like this, like, Joffrey, Jamie, and Tyrion are three characters, but Jamie actually sort of morphs into Cersei, and who is Jamie is sort of part of all of the all of them. It's like part Cersei, part Tyrion, and maybe apparently a little Joffrey. Well, it's like he splits Jamie, the Jamie from the outline, into yeah. Jamie and Cersei. Yeah, because mm-hmm. aspects of each are, or aspects of of the original Jamie are in both of them. Mm-hmm. What I found really difficult with this final passage is to read it without hearing, you know, without hearing the actors from the show. Like it's almost impossible to read it 
or to you know to read it without thinking of them like they actually made that scene like pretty damn iconic yeah was it i i I think think so. so It's it's huh. hard for me to picture Rob now without picturing Richard Madden. I'll say that much for sure. I don't know. It's not Rob so much for me. It's the great John. Like it's you know. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 Him saying that, and then I think even um, I think in the commentary for this episode was it was it Nikolai that did the comment? No, he wouldn't have done the commentary for this episode. But um, I think oh, it's just whenever they see Rob, he's like going the King of the North. <laughs> Such a yeah, no, I think that's from the season two commentary, yeah, yeah. if I'm thinking of what you're thinking yep, of. Yep. Which is his sex scene with Talisa. Yeah. Ew. Sorry, I hate Talisa. But yeah, this Characters is really... With sweet beards are always more memorable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think this particular scene, you know, you can see, I mean, so much of the language is exactly the same even. I mean, it's very much... Other than, you know, Theon's place in it, which is interesting that Theon pledging is so prominent in the show. And yet here, you know, we don't even actually know if he's there. Like, he doesn't speak at the War Council as far as we know, and he's not really in this scene. We can assume he's there, but... I assume he's there, yeah. Yeah, I would assume he's there. Um, So, the people that read this um, before the show came out did you you know did you think there was going to be this triumphant well okay now obviously danny and rob are going to get together and destroy the lannisters like no no okay no 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 No. i don't know i know because you just it's funny you know who was it somebody on twitter i think it was maybe Devin, uh uh who said said you know i did think that rob was going to be a big deal reading but I don't know. It just he just was never. He always was what I would call a secondary character, and it's not just because right. he has so little page time. I mean, it was like even his importance. I mean, yes, he's a player, but I mean, like, like compare him his place in Catelyn's story compared to even like like the relationship with Davos and Stannis. It's like Stannis is much more prominent in Davos's chapters than Rob is in Cats, and. I don't know why that is or why it feels that way. Maybe because Kat's a woman, I identify with her and I'm just listening to her story and I'm not hearing the overall story as much, but I don't know. I don't know. Rob was just kind of like a, I mean, it's not like you weren't aware of him and didn't think of him having a place in the story or anything like that. But it's like, I never thought he was a savior. I mean, obviously John, Danny, you're that. Come on. I know. Part of that, part of that is just that the uh, Catelyn POV chapters, she's geographically, uh, away from Rob for so much of the time, whereas uh, Davos is physically next to Stannis in like they're they're connected. Good point. He, he yeah, connects good point. Every time we see them, good point. Uh, but another part of that is like if, if Rob had been the POV, then we definitely would have been more um, on board as an audience for him being this big uh, hero we're rooting for. But since Cat's the POV, um, killing off Rob as the hero it has less of an impact, but it's also setting up uh stoneheart lady stoneheart a little bit more since we've we've been Mm -hmm. in her head for so long like we've been in her heart yeah Yeah. i mean you definitely see the you know there's so much foreshadowing of stoneheart and you know i think i've been pretty vocal that you know that's not my favorite thing that george has ever done but you know yeah you're not obviously you know obviously very well planned even from you know from her like second or third (laughs) chapter i think we could see like allusions to you know, where he was going with her. So this is our last chapter in, in A Game of Thrones. Um, next week, we are going to be taking a break and doing a Game of Thrones Season 7 update. Um, so 
Oh, good God. So there'll be, yeah, there'll be a, a lot of news there. So if you have questions in the meantime, um, get a hold of us. But we'll also be putting something out on our social on our social networks for questions as well. Um, yeah, and do we have any additional mail tonight? We have a couple. Um, we did get one from a Mercedes one on a Jamie X Brienne subreddit on Reddit. I think that's ours, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, they say, I was listening to the Catlin 10 podcast today, loving the Catlin episodes, and I just wanted to share a small observation. When Jamie is captured, Theon's suggestion is to execute him, completely oblivious to the fact that if that had been Ned's approach to dealing with prisoners circa the Greyjoy re- Rebellion, Theon and his father would both be dead. His lack of self-awareness at this point is in the story would be funny if the consequences weren't so sad. I don't know. I mean, I think Theon is, it's, Theon's a hostage. Like, he's not, he wasn't captured in a war. You know, he's like a hostage in the post-war. Yeah. Wards are different than hostages. Yeah. Um, I think well, I, I hesitate to use the word "ward" when it comes to Theon, though he he was a war hostage, and and yeah, no one, and it's made sure. pretty it's made pretty clear throughout his chapters, Theon's, I mean, that the only Stark who ever actually treated him like he was, you know, one of them worth anything was Rob. Well, I, I see that. He is in a way like a hostage, but he wasn't captured in battle. He was freely no, he wasn't captured given yeah. as a he child. Was, he was exchanged as a hostage. There's it, it, culturally, there's a minor difference there. Where there are similarities, I agree. But well, no, he is a hostage, though. I mean, Ned even thinks about the fact that he would hate to have to kill him. <laughs> so if Balon acted up, so he definitely is a hostage in the sense that it's just like Jamie taking Hoster uh, Blackwood later on in in Feast. Or no, that's in dance. Uh, you know where? Yeah, he he would have to kill this kid, and Ned thinks that about Theon. If Balon acts up, he'll have to kill him. You can you but, can ransom hostages, but you don't ransom wards, right? Yeah, no, but he's he's not he's not that kind of host. He's a hostage in exchange for good behavior, just like Hoster Blackwood is later in in dance. Jamie takes Hoster Blackwood when he accepts um, the Blackwood surrender, and it's it's basically you know if, if you misbehave, we're going to kill your kid who will otherwise be treated well. Um, and that's exactly what Theon is, and Ned would have had to kill him, and Ned actually thinks about that. And it's one of the reasons he, Ned tried not to get too close to him, because he knew he might have to kill him. Whereas, you know, um, Jamie is, you know, Jamie's a prisoner of war, essentially. Jamie is a prisoner of war, yeah. So it is it is kind of different things. But, um, yeah, I, I, Theon... I mean, there's there's a big difference between... The Theon that you see in A Game of Thrones and the Theon whose head you jump into in um, A Clash of Kings and the Theon that you see as Reek when you get to dance. I mean, uh, there's 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 quite a, a big shift that happens. I mean, like, n- number one is the fact that, that Theon is an absolute goddamn hothead. Um, yeah. And this is something that I don't think was played quite as well as maybe it should have been on the show. I mean, as much as I love Alfie and his portrayal. I have issues with the way that the show has dealt with Theon in many aspects, but yeah. but one of them is is the fact that you know Theon is is very brash and just you know balls to the wall, which is why he comes up with his idea to capture Winterfell, and you know I mean so, I mean it is typical of Theon to just have absolutely zero awareness and just be like kill him, you know I mean like it's yeah. such a Theon thing to do, book <laughs> Theon totally. This is a guy who 
punted the decapitated head after the execution, right? Exactly. That's Theon right there. He was okay with killing the puppies. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, small children later on. Small children. So I, I think I, it's a, it's definitely an in, it's, it's on point for, for the character relation as far as the observation in the Reddit thread goes, but it, it is a little off in, in that wards and hostages are slightly different. But so do we have a, we have another letter, Ian? We do. We actually got another iTunes review. Yay. Yes, and it's a five-star review, which is awesome. Woohoo! By um, Kane Zephyr, titled Having a Laugh Catching Up. It's a badass name. Yep. (laughs) I I just found this podcast while trying to wait for season seven or The Winds of Winter. I have spent hours laughing so hard that people think I'm crazy. I have a long (laughs) way to go to catch up, but I will enjoy every minute of it. Well, thanks. Yeah, wow! Yeah, you do. Have, yeah. God, how many episodes are we? We're in the one forties right now. I oh, think Jesus. this is one forty-eight or one forty-nine tonight. Jeez. So, yeah. Before they shifted my job, I used to listen to you guys while I was at work, and it was the only thing that made work tolerable. Oh, oh that's nice. us cursing in your ear. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Our specialty. Um, yeah. Is that it, Ian? Yeah, that's it. Okay. So again, um, we'll be doing a season seven update and then we're going to jump into cats chapters in a clash of kings and that's going to bring us um little stannis little davos a little certain wench named brienne of tarth so um, yeah a little three-way a little yeah a little three-way (laughs) action at the end some good times (laughs) so i personally am really looking forward to her clash chapters i think um it'll be exciting to, to get to see those new characters through her eyes it will, but I'm personally looking forward to the Game of Thrones Season 7 Spoilers Update episode next week, and I really hope that everybody sends in really detailed questions about the leaks that are out there for Guile to answer. Everybody just pile on. Get your really, really great leaks questions to Guile. She really wants them. You, you say that like you think that I might, I might have an opinion on them. <laughs> no, I think we, uh, you know... It's a show. <laughs> it's a show. <laughs> I should put that on the back of the DVD box. Came yeah. season seven. It's, it's a, a show. show. It's a, it's a show. <laughs> um, so I want to thank all of our panel tonight um, for joining in on the King of the North and indulging me a bit there and for the whole episode. And we hope that you support our podcast and become a Patreon uh, our Patreons get benefits like special episodes, and they get early access to all of our new episodes. Listen and review us on iTunes. Uh, as always, waiting for that Lumpia recipe, Philippines, uh, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the places. <laughs> I know we're never getting it. I should just like we're never my, I should just find my own at this point. God, I give up. Um, you can find us on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, and email us at close the door and at gmail.com. And I want to thank you all for listening. I'm closing the door. Get out. Wait, wait, wait. If I want to... Oh, I'm opening the door. Where can I go go on Patreon if I wanted to support you? You would go to... um, Oh, my God. (laughs) I think it's patreon.com forward slash close the door. 
Okay, yay, I'm doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's pa- patreon.com clo- backslash close the door. And speaking of closing the door, I am slamming the door shut now. Get out. Mark it. Mark it. 